Well, we're going to start a brand new series this morning that I'm really, really excited about. And the name of our series is called No More Limits. No More Limits. And uh, if I could get somebody to pick that up. Thank you so much. And you might hear a couple sacred cows going down during this morning's message. So if you hear a shotgun and a mmm, you know that one sacred cow just went down. How many of you know that there are some sacred cows that need to go down once and for all? The first one is that God is sovereign and that God is in control. Well, God is sovereign and in his sovereignty he has given man a free will. But, you know, when we say, you know, hey, God's in control, is God in control of ISIS? Is God in control of those people going into movie theaters and shooting people? Is God in control of that? I think not. And then another sacred cow that can go down real quickly is this. Well, you know, Pastor Mark, everything happens for a reason, right? Right. Everything happens for a reason. No, some things happen just because we are foolish. Some things can happen just because we act stupidly. Or, you know, we're around other people that can impact our lives and influence our lives because of their foolishness and because of their stupidity. One thing we need to get straight is the thief is the devil. And he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The scripture says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You see, these things that happen in our lives, that subtract from our lives, that bring decrease in our lives, that bring sorrow in our lives, that bring grief in our lives, are not authored by the Father of lights. These things oftentimes come as a direct attack of the enemy as a result of living in a fallen world, and sometimes as a result of us opening the door to them. See, the Bible is true. It says, don't give the devil any place. Which means this, that we can give him place. But if we're wise and we're operating in the wisdom of God, we will close every door possible and keep that rat on the outside looking in. See, he'd want to get into the inside, but you are the one that controls the knob. You can close the door or you can open the door. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm keeping the door closed. Now, the children of Israel were delivered from the Red Sea. God did some awesome things for their lives. I mean, he opened up the sea so that they could go to the other side. And you know what? There were two million of them. Two million of them. The horse and the rider says he has thrown into the sea. Now, they had the victory and they got the victory, but then they got out there into the wilderness. They got out there into the wilderness of testing. And instead of remembering what God had done for them, they started moaning and groaning and complaining. Now, Joyce Meyer says this, a great quote. She says, if you complain, you will remain. But if you will praise, you will be raised. How about a little praise offering right now? 
How many of you want to be raised? Complaining closes the door to promotion. Praise and thanksgiving opens the door for promotion and positions you for great things that God has in store for you. Now, notice with me in Psalm 78 and beginning in verse 40. Psalm 78 verse 40 says, How oft did they provoke me in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yes, they turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Can he be limited? He can be. Why? Because they remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. And so we can do the same thing. We can limit him by forgetting. The Word of God says, forget not any of his benefits. It says that when we look into the perfect law of liberty, that we are not to be forgetful hearers, but doers of what we see. And in doing the Word of God, we shall be blessed. Friends, there is a blessing for remembering and taking your place in Christ by vocalizing what He has already done for you. We do not want to talk about what we don't have. Let's talk about what we do have. We don't want to talk about what we don't have. Let's talk about what we do have. We don't want to talk about what we can't do. Let's talk about what we can do. Listen to this statement. I've written this in my notes. If God is completely sovereign and in control... And if everything that happens is his plan and his will, then it would be impossible for us to limit him. Now, in this series on Don't Limit God, I'm going to ask you, if you possibly can be, to make sure that you get the message, either by being here or downloading it. But the purpose of this teaching is to help you and I, and I'm including me in there, to live beyond the limits that this life has presented us with. To live beyond the limits that the enemy has told you that you will never get beyond. You are no longer a slave. But it is possible for New Testament Christians to be in every bit, as bo- every bit of bondage as the children of Israel were. And we do not want to do that. See, we can be slaves to sin. We can be slaves to stinking thinking. You know, I got to thinking a little bit about how I'm sharing about my testimony. Back in the 70s, I went to AA and NA, and they warned about stinking thinking. They said, you've got to get rid of stinking thinking. Well, what was stinking thinking? Well, the bottle was put away. The needles were put away. The addiction was at bay. There was no more use of drugs, and yet... People thought the same way before, before, you know, they thought the same way as they were on drugs and alcohol. And they acted the same way. Now let's translate stinking thinking into the New Testament. You see, you can be thoroughly a born-again Christian and not have your mind renewed. The Bible says we are not to be conformed to what? Not conformed to this world. But transformed or changed by the renewing of our mind by the Word of God. See, stinking thinking as a Christian is thinking that you're a victim and that there's just no way out for your life. I'm not looking at a congregation of victims. I'm looking at a congregation of victors. 
See, stinking thinking as a Christian translates, well, you know, hey, I was, I was raised in a bad family. But you know what? Now that you're in Christ, you've been raised up into a new family. You now have a new father. And now you're a son of God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Stinking thinking is this. Well, you know, my dad was poor. My mom was poor. My grandparents were poor. And I guess I'll be poor for the rest of my life. We need to get rid of those limitations in our thought life. Open up the Bible. Find out what we have, who we are, what he has done. And start verbalizing and vocalizing what God has bought and paid for us. Come on, lift up your hands and say, thank God I'm bought and paid. With a price. There, I know in my life, and I think if you were honest about it, and I'm looking at an honest group of people, I know that in our lives, there's still yet land to possess. Is there more God's got for you? Is there a reason why God has put breath in your life? You know, we're doing a little mentoring for the under 30s right now. And we had our first session last Thursday night, and it was really, really awesome. And I want to borrow a few things from that session. And that is this. Number one, you have got to know that the hand of the Lord is upon you. And that the blessing of the Lord is yours. In Ephesians, the second chapter and the tenth verse, I want you to notice this verse. No more limits. No more limits. No more limits for me. No more limits for you. We're moving beyond the boundaries set up by the strongholds of the enemy. We're moving beyond the boundaries erected and the structures that the enemy says we can't get through. We are heading for glory and we are heading for breakthrough. Are you going with me? Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are... His workmanship. Now, does anybody know what the word workmanship means? Well, in the Greek, it's poema, which means we are God's poem. Even translated further, when it says we are his workmanship, it says we are the handiwork of God. We are his masterpiece. I'm looking at a piece of the master when I'm looking at you. I'm looking at a piece of the master when I'm looking at him. You're looking at a piece of the master. We could say we're chips off the old block. Now notice with me. Created in Christ unto good works, which God has ordained, before ordained, that we should walk therein. Now listen to this. God's hand was upon you and upon me. There were things that he prepared in advance for us to walk in. And he has prepared great things for us even before we were born. Now listen, folks, you've got to believe that. Because if you don't believe that, you'll never arrive to the place where you believe that God wants to do great things in your life today. He wants to do some awesome things through you this decade. You don't have to wait until the sweet by and by to start flowing in the things that God has got for you. I declare today you were created for good things. 
you were created for great things because we serve a great God. And this great God put the greater one in you. And when the greater one is in you, he's not that just there to take up space. He's there to put you over. He's there to help you. He's there to strengthen you. He's there to see to it that you fulfill all God's called you to fulfill. Woo, glory to God. Here's what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, look, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, God had holy plans for you. Isaiah 44, 2 says it like this. He says, I am your creator. Say it with me. He is my creator. You know what that means? Because he created you, you were not an accident. Your parents may not have planned having you, but your creator saw to it that they made a boo-boo. And so you are no accidente. You are here for a purpose. God put his breath in you. Hallelujah. Man, I feel like preaching right now. He said, I'm your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. We're in the care of God. That means that we're deeply loved. I want to say to you this morning that God wanted to do so much for the children of Israel. And he wants to do so much for you and I. And we're going to work on one principle as we kick off this series today that I believe is going to resonate with your heart. And I even believe that there's some adjustments that are going to be made in the hearts of some of you today. And you're going to say, yes, Lord, yes, I see it. I'll do it. I'm going to walk with you. Look at Psalms 81 and notice with me in verse 10. And I'm going to look at the NIV. Psalms 81 and verse 10. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of Egypt. And then he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay silent about it. I I delivered you, but, you know, no sense of making a big deal out of it. No, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He said, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Now he says, open wide your mouth. And I will fill it. One thing that we should be opening wide our mouth with is the high praises of God. Another thing that we should be opening our mouth wide with is what he says about us and believing it and declaring it and lifting up our voice, making a declaration of all that he desires in our life. Oh, I'm telling you, your faith is activated by declaring with your mouth what God has so graciously said about you. If you want continuous manifestations of God's goodness in your life, there must be continual declarations of his word. Let's do that right now. Say it with me real strong. I am am a child of God. God. I I am an heir of God. I am redeemed of the Lord. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am 
a new creation. I am the righteousness of God. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I am a world overcomer. Look at your neighbor and say, that's who you are and that's who I am. That's right. That's who we are. That's who we are. So lift up your voice. Even when things get rough. Lift up your voice. For it is your choice. For I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life daily, says the Lord. Speak my word daily and I will daily feed you from, from the good things from heaven above. Lift up your voice. Lift up what I would have to say. And I will daily load you with benefits. Hallelujah. Every day. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice in verse 11. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. Now, how important is it for us to submit to God? Did you know that you're resisting the devil and him fleeing from you every time is conditional upon your submission to God? Look at James 4, verse 7. I want us to notice this. We need to get this. A lot of people are assisting the devil when they should be resisting the devil. But you know how we assist the enemy? We assist the enemy by not being submitted completely and totally to God's will. In other words, we choose to go our way instead of going his way. Now notice this in James 4 and verse 7. Read it with me. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Would you not agree with that is number one in that verse? Submit yourself to God. In other words, he's number one. You are not number one. Your family isn't number one. Your family is high priority with him, but he is number one. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Then it goes on to say, do what? Resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee from you. So he's saying back here in Psalms to the children of Israel, in verse 13, if my people would listen to me, if Israel would have followed my ways, he said, how quickly, how quickly. You see, God's just waiting for us to give him something to work with. He's just waiting for us to give him our lives. He said, how quickly would have I subdued their enemies and I would have turned my hand against their foes. And I'm telling you, when the hand of the Lord is against your foes, your foes aren't going to last very long. Amen. 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 Verse 15. He said, those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last till tomorrow. No, their punishment is going to last forever. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied with you. Friends, don't allow yourself to live a life of what ifs. And woulda, coulda, shoulda been. Man, I'll be 65 in November. 
And I've discovered this, that time goes by pretty fast. You that are in your 20s and your 30s, just blink a couple times and you'll be 65 too. I don't want to, I refuse to end up at the end of my life with a boat filled with regret. I'm going to be about my father's business now. I'm going to submit now. I'm going to yield now. I'm going to obey now. Whatever he says to me to do, I'm going to do it right now. How about you? How about you? You see... You're never, ever too young to start. I think sometimes young people say, well, you know, I've got plenty of years. You don't know how much time you have. The trumpet's fixing to sound. Jesus is coming soon. Well, I'll just, you know, sow my wild oats. You better not sow your wild oats. You might reap death. It's only by the grace of God that I'm alive today. I sowed plenty of wild oats. But by the grace of God, I'm alive. Listen, friend, it's never too young to get on fire for God. I'm so proud of this group that we're mentoring on Thursday night. The The two guys that were up there on keys, the Amaker guys... Amaker's men, I almost call them boys. They're serving down there at, at Hillsong, Los Angeles. They're about their father's business. They're not waiting for a paycheck before they serve the Lord. They're putting their hand to the plow and they're serving God with all of their might. Oh, friends, time is running out. You want to leave something in this world, you don't want to leave a mess for your family. You don't want to leave a mess for your children. You don't want the Lord to look at you and say, Man, why didn't you obey me? I had so much for you. And pull the curtain back and have you get a glimpse of all that God had in store for you. No, you want to walk in it now. You want to, oh, glory to God. You want to live this life now. You got one life to live. It's like a vapor. Let's live it for Jesus. The beer, commercial, beer, beer commercials will say, live for gusto. It don't get any better than this. I'm telling you what, it gets much better than a Bud Light. It gets much better than having multiple partners. It gets much better than spending all your money on yourself and the things of God be like this. It's, it's the much better life. Look at your name and say, God's got a much better. A mucho, mucho better. A mucho grande life for you. Some of you, he's got a mucho burrito waiting for you after church. You ain't never too young. And you're never too old. You are never too old. My energy at 64 years old is greater than it was at 50. My staff's trying to pull me down and hold me back. They say, slow down. Your energy is too much. But you know, I've discovered this, that God renews people 
who are serious about God and His kingdom, He will renew their youths like the eagles. And that's what's happening in your life. And that's what's happening in my life. That's what's happening in your life. That's what's happening in your life. This is happening all around this church. Young people and old people alike, all of a sudden getting a glimpse of God's purpose for their lives. They're coming to the realization, this is why God put breath in me. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about being a doer of God's Word. Somebody shout amen. And you don't have to be behind the pulpit to fulfill your call. Your call and your vocation are two separate things. Your vocation changes sometimes multiple times throughout your life, but the calling that God has on your life will never change. It is irrevocable. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Oh, hallelujah. So don't you think that you're not serving God and you can't serve God unless you're on the platform, unless you're behind the pulpit. No, you serve God in your generation. You serve God with all your might. You take what He's put in your heart and you take what He's put in your hand and you say, Lord, I'm asking you to multiply this and use me for your glory. Come on, lift your hands up. Lift your hands up and say, Lord God, I'm asking you, sir, to multiply the seeds that you've sown in my life. Use me for your glory. Use me for your will. Now pray this out of your heart. Not my will. But oh God, your will be done. Amen. Come on, shout with me. Woo, glory to God. Be encouraged this morning. You're never too old. Psalm 92 says it like this. The righteous are going to flourish like the palm tree. When you're flourishing, that means there's no more limits. He shall grow like a cedar of Lebanon. I mean, those cedars in Lebanon grow majestically. They're durable. They're stately. There's something to behold. And your life is something to behold for the unbeliever. When you bring forth fruit in his season, people will come to the tree of your life and they'll be able to pick at it and they'll be able to pick up good things from you in Jesus' name. He said in verse 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord. It's important that you be in community. It's important that you're in church today. It's important that we have one another. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. Read verse 14 with me. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. Somebody says, Pastor, I'm on a diet. I don't want to be fat. It's not talking about that kind of fat. It's talking about you being fat with the anointing. And fat with the glory. And fat with fruit. And fat with love. And fat with joy. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You go home today. What did you learn at church? I learned how to be fat. And so in these weeks ahead, I want to share with you some important principles of taking the limits off of God. The one we want to work with this morning, just for a while, is this one. We take the limits off of God by doing what He says and by simply being obedient and yielding 
to him. Now here's the principle. And I want to say it. I want you to get it. So we're going to say it a couple times. Okay, you ready? Obedience equals humility. And humility equals exaltation. Let's say it one more time. Obedience equals humility. And humility equals exaltation. Let's say it together. Obedience equals humility. And humility equals exaltation. Now you can't just make statements like that without looking at the word. So look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Look at 1 Peter the 5th chapter and the 6th verse. Notice with me in the first part of verse 6. He says, humble yourselves. Whose responsibility is it for us to humble? It's my responsibility to humble myself. And we do this under the mighty hand of God. Now, I have had the Lord point out points of pride in my life. Has anyone ever had the Lord point out some issues of pride in your life? That he said to you, son, daughter, I loved you. I want to bring correction to this so that you can take care of this. Put yourself in a place of humility because I want to exalt you. See, now listen, the Lord never ever points out areas that we need to make adjustments in to condemn us. He brings correction for our benefit. That we might be partakers, if you will, of His holiness. And that we might yield fruit for the glory of God. And so when the Lord points His finger at an area of your life, don't get into a situation where you're saying, Not so, not me, Lord. But rather say, yes, Lord. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. You know, he is always right. He's always right. Just mark that down. He's always right. Always right. See, sometimes humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God means you'll have to go apologize to your wife. I've had to do it once or twice in my life. Sometimes humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God is, is just going to a brother or sister and saying, you know what, I, I ask you to forgive me. I, I shouldn't have said that that way. I, I apologize to you. You see, sometimes humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God is completely turning your life over to God and saying, Lord, I can't do it my own way any longer. I put my life in your hands. Listen, friends, there is an exalting that will take place if you will just humble yourself. Humbling yourself means being obedient, it means being submissive, and it's being yielded to Him. Oh, hallelujah. Here's what will happen. If you will humble yourself truly, and I'm not talking about a false humility. I'm not talking about self-degradation. I'm not talking about, oh, you know, I'm so unworthy. That's false humility. A real humble person will say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when they feel like an old unworthy sinner. Humble. Everyone read it with me. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Oh, man. You can humble yourself in your marriage. 
You can humble yourself in your business. You can humble yourself and God will lift you up. I love Proverbs 22 and verse 4. Listen to this. It says this, that by humility and the fear of the Lord, by those things are riches and honor and life. Read that with me. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Who glory to God. Oh man, the reward of humility, the reward of fearing the Lord are out of this world. Now listen, in life, we know it, I know it, you know it. In life, we are presented with limits. In life, we are presented with boundaries. But I want to speak to you this morning, just for a few more moments, about that there are keys. Listen, there are keys of obedience and keys to yielding to His mercy and to His grace. Listen now. That will take you into some rooms that you haven't been in before. God has got rooms that we must go into. What do you mean, rooms? I'm talking about rooms of the richness of His presence. There's a room in God, and there's a place in God filled with His glory, filled with His power. There's a... there. Listen... There are rooms. How many of you just sense in your spirit that there's more? That's about half of you. Let me try this out. How many of you sense in your spirit and you know in your heart that there's more? I mean, there's not just a little more. There's mucho, mucho más. God's got rooms of ministry that he wants you to go into. For some of you that are in the business world, he's got, room, he's got rooms of increase so you can make a huge dent in giving for the cause of Christ in the kingdom of God. He's got some rooms, but it requires obedience. It requires us to be humble. And what I'm talking to you this morning is way, about, way out beyond finances you know I looked a couple scriptures up you got just a few more moments today I looked a couple scriptures up and I didn't hand it in to the crew but I want you to notice with me a couple scriptures Exodus 19 verse 5 Exodus 19 verse 5 hallelujah we're going somewhere we're going somewhere in this series We're moving in. We're moving into a greater place. We're moving into a stronger place. Notice this with me in Exodus 19.5. He says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and you will keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. Now that word peculiar there is a little bit blind to us. That word peculiar means you shall be my own special people. My own special people. Then look at Deuteronomy 11 and verse 27. Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, the 27th verse, talks about obedience. A blessing. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And then Job 36 verse 11. 
Look at Job 36, the 11th verse. And read this one with me if you would. It says, If they obey and serve me, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years... Notice what comes first. Obedience and serving. Now, I want to close this morning with the story of Naaman the leper. <laughs> so let's look over at 2 Kings chapter 5, if you would. 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 1. You're called to live the abundant life. Amen. We must not allow pride to limit us. 2 Kings 5, 1 says, Now Naaman, the commander of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but what was he? How many of you know that his leprosy trumped everything else? He had everything in the natural going for him, but he was a leper. His skin was falling off of his bones. He was filled with sickness and filled with disease. Now, you may not be a leper, but all of us have some leprous situations that we need to overcome. Now, notice with me in verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. They went with great pomp and circumstance. This was a mighty man of valor. This was somebody in the eyes of the world. He was important enough for them to go track down Elisha. You know who Elisha was, don't you? Elisha was the one who got the double portion from Elijah. Whoo, glory to God. When Elijah got called up in a whirlwind, Elisha said, where is the Lord God? Of Elijah. A double portion was on him. He was a very sought out man of God because he heard from God, and when he prayed, God answered prayers. So obviously, they went to Elisha's door. And here's what Elisha does Elisha sends a messenger to say to him, Here's what you do go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Now, Brenda and I have been in the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is a dirty river. I'm sorry, but it's dirty. If you've been to Israel and you've been in the Jordan River, it's a dirty river. There are rivers over in Syria that were cleaner than the Jordan River, but the will of God was not for Naaman to go to Syria to wash, but to wash in the Jordan. Here was a test to his pride. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. Do you know that pride is the thing that normally is underneath of anger? I'm right. You're wrong. These are the right directions, Brenda. You're wrong. The male ego... Rising up. What is that? Pride. It's pride. Yeah. It's pride. And so Naaman, he was just angry. He was really ticked off. He was mad. You know, kind of like some of you guys get. When things don't go your way. When God says go another way and you'd rather go this way. But God makes it perfectly clear. This is the way, not that way. Oh, yeah, come on, be honest. Some of you have been angry with God. 
I got a word from you from the throne of grace today. Don't you blame God. Look in the mirror. Make the adjustment and go the way that God wants you to go. It is a better way. It is a higher way. It is God's way and it's our way. Say it with me. It's a better way. It's a higher way. It's God's way. And it's my way. I'm going Yahweh. <laughs> but, of course, Naaman had a lesson to learn. He went away angry and said, I thought. That's where we get in trouble. Start thinking the plan of God out. Start reasoning the plan of God out. God spoke to me a while back and he said, son, stop thinking things up and pray things out, would you? I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord. You know, big orchestrated deal here. And that he would do a Benny Hinn on me. Just a joke. I said, just a joke, son. Just a joke. We love Benny. And just wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. And then I could put it in the Syrian newspaper. I've been touched by the wave of the Spirit. Pomp and circumstance. You know, God's, God answers prayers in an easy way. God answers prayer through laymen just like you. God answers prayer by moms and dads at the bed of their children. You don't have to use all the the and thou's and the Elizabethan English and language to get answers to prayer. You just in simple childlike faith call upon the name of the Lord and the Lord will meet you right where you're at. Right here, right now. Everyone say right here. Right Right now. Verse 12. He said, are not Abana and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the rivers, waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Man, he was mad. I thought Brother Copeland was going to be here tonight to pray for me. I thought Brother Hagen was going to pray for me. And here you send Doug Jones. Who in the world is Doug Jones? I thought Keith Moore was going to come and preach. And you send Pastor Mark? (coughs) See, the problem is, is where are our eyes? And who are our eyes on? He went his own way. But you know what? He was still leprous. You know what? If you decide to go in your own way... After a message like this, you'll still be found wanting. Listen, you can hear some of the most wonderful messages by some of the greatest preachers in this land. And you can be inspired and you can be informed. But if you choose not to do something with it, you can go away and be in the same mess you were before you heard them. Now, Here's a big key. Here's a big key to us getting what we need from God. And I'll tell you what it is. We all need to have the right people around us. Don't we? 
We, we need, come on, we need to have the right associates. I don't want to have friends that are going to speak discouragement into my soul. I want to have friends and faith buddies that are going to lift me and bless me. Amen? So Naaman had the right associates around him. And you'll discover this, that oftentimes we as people, including Pastor Mark, we have blind spots. My wife points them out to me all the time. We all have blind spots. We all don't see everything we should see. But that's where he raises up people around us to help us, right? And to be a blessing to us. So he had the right associates around him. And in verse 13 it says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, hey, wake up. If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Wouldn't you have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? In other words, wake up. So Naaman humbled himself. And he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan once for Jehovah Sidkenu. Once for Jehovah Raha. Once for Jehovah Rapha. (laughs) Once for Jehovah Sidkenu. That's again, hallelujah, he did it twice. But he dipped himself seven times. And the Bible says that he came up clean like that of a young boy. Listen, don't you think for one moment that God cannot restore to you the years. I'm going to say it again. Don't you think for one moment that God cannot restore to, the, to you the years that the enemy has robbed from you? You can come up like a young boy. You can come up like a young buck. He will renew your youth just like the eagles. So at the kickoff of this series, I want to encourage you to make the decision to go God's way. Do you want more grace in your life? He resists the proud, but he will give more grace to the humble. Say it with me. Obedience Obedience. equals humility. And humility equals exaltation. Was Naaman exalted? Can you be exalted? You see, one act of humility, one turn toward God, means that you're on the way to be lifted up. And so I want to close this message with a couple questions for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What is your next step? Your next step may be different than my next step. But one thing for sure, God's got a next step for all of us. For the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. What is it that God might be asking you to do? What area of your life do you need to turn over to Him? Is God dealing with you about rolling up your sleeves and serving in the house of the Lord or in another house of God's choosing? Has God enabled you with an abundance of finances that He's saying, Now, son, daughter, I want you to sow that into the ministry of my choosing? What is your next step? Perhaps you've been dealing with something for the same thing over and over and over and over again, not for years, but for decades. And you've put off counseling. You see, men don't like to go to counseling because they think they can handle it themselves. But is your next step counseling? What's your next step? What is it God's asking you to do? Now pray this with me, Lord Jesus. Jesus. I I choose in my heart 
to obey all that you put in my heart to do. I make this decision today that I submit myself totally and completely to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever you say unto me, I will do it. Forgive me, Lord, for putting off those things. For putting off to tomorrow what I should have done a long time ago. Holy Spirit, help me in my life to take the limits off of God. I take the first step today. I will obey. And as a result, I shall be exalted. And as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you're here this morning. And your next step may be making a commitment to Jesus Christ. He made that commitment to you when he hung on the cross.